Man, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, 1 Timothy chapter number 1 this morning in the word of the Lord, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and I'm going to preach about 25 minutes or so and get you out of here and get you home with your family, but I believe it is right to take a little time and uh, preach the word of God and worship him today, amen. 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'll be honest with you, for about three weeks now, I've just had this one verse on my heart for this service. And I could deal with a lot of things uh, throughout this entire chapter, and uh, but I, I don't feel necessary to do that this morning. I got one verse I really want to uh, center in on just for a moment and just meditate on. And I, I'm going to quote this verse so much today. I hope when you leave, you'll have it memorized. All right, but it is why we're here. First Timothy chapter number one and verse number fifteen. Here's what Paul says: This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Boy, I like that verse. I like it so much, I'm going to read it again. This is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for this day, Lord, not just Christmas Day, but Lord... This is the Lord's day, and or this is the day which the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for a wonderful time we've already had with our family, and still many of us still have festivities and things ahead of us today. But Lord, we're just going to take a little while, and thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for giving your life for our sins, and raised again for our justification. Thank you for that. I pray, God, that you bless this verse, or just got this one verse on my heart today. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to deliver the burden that you placed there. Lord, I pray all of us, our eyes, we pointed upward today to you. Get glory to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In this text, Paul is dealing with the subject of the gospel. If I were to preach this entire chapter, I would mention about Paul deals with those that contaminate the gospel. Verses 3 through 10, he talks about that crowd that tries to add the law to the gospel. In other words, uh, this crowd was saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you need this on top of Jesus. Or in our modern day uh, terminology, yeah, you need Jesus, but you got to join the church and be baptized. I want to remind us all this morning that salvation is not joining the church. Salvation is not being baptized. All that comes out. After salvation. See, a lot of people, uh, they get the cart before the horse if they would. They want to uh, get baptized or join the church and think that attains their salvation. But that's that's backwards, amen. You get born again, then all those other things come uh, into that. And so Paul was dealing with those who are trying to contaminate the gospel. Paul talks about his commitment to the gospel. In verse number 11, he said, The glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my church. Paul said, when I got saved, there was something put inside me, this commitment to the gospel. Paul wanted to tell everyone about the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about his calling to preach the gospel. In verse 12, he said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul said, Not only did he save me and change my life, but now he allows me to go from place to place and tell other people what Jesus has done in my life. But what I'm interested in this morning is this comment that he makes about the gospel in verse number 15. 
He's in a flow, verse 12, 13, and 14. He's giving his testimony. He's kind of in a good flow. And it seems like in verse number 15 that he just kind of stops. It seems like he, he, he's not adding anything, but he, he just feels so much gratitude and so much appreciation in his heart that it, it's almost like he's wanting to give a word of testimony. And he says, this is a faithful saying, and it is worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Amen. I want to preach on this thought for just a moment this morning. This old sinner testifies. Here's Paul, just a sinner saved by the grace of God. And he's given his testimony. And right in the middle of it, he said, I just want to go on record and say one more time, this is a faithful saying. Paul Paul likes that little phrase, faithful saying. He'll use it two or three other times in his epistles. He said, this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm going to tell you why you're here today. It's because Jesus loves sinners. Amen. I'm going to tell you why you have what you have today. I understand hard work. I understand a good work ethic. But I'm telling you, God is the one that put breath in your body. God is the one that gave you the ability to do your job, sir, or do your job, ma'am. And I'll tell you, it's all nothing more than the grace of God that he's bestowed in our life. I just want to milk this verse, if you would, and say four or five things about this statement that Paul makes. First of all, this statement in verse 15, it is a reliable statement. He said, this is a faithful saying. If you look up that little uh, phrase in a dictionary, it means trustworthy or something that you can rely upon. Well, Paul, what can I rely upon? This is a faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. You know what? I can trust it. I can trust in this verse for my eternity. Amen. I'm glad when I got saved and I come to Christ, I don't have to get recapped, get resaved all over again. You get born one time into the family of God. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And you know what? I am trusting in this statement and the fact that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day and I am trusting in this statement. It is reliable for all eternity. But not only can you trust in this statement for eternity, you can trust in this statement every day. Aren't you glad that it's not just good on down the road farther than your mind can comprehend, but it's good on Monday, and it's good on Tuesday, and it's good on Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, and kick it off again on Monday. Every day you live, you can live in light of the fact that when nobody else loved you, when nobody else cared for you, there was a man called Jesus Christ who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, and he lived to 33 and a half years years of a sinless life. He was betrayed and hung on a cross and he died for our sins but thank God he's not dead anymore. He is alive. Amen. So I said, preacher, you're preaching an Easter message. No, this is a Christmas message, Easter message, Fourth of July message, Mother's Day message, Father's Day message. It's just a good message to preach. You know why? It is a faithful saying. It's reliable. If you're basing your salvation on anything other than the fact that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, then it's going to fall apart. 
I don't care if you're a member of this church. I don't care if you're a member of the church down the road. Your church membership does not matter. Your nationality does not matter. Your financial standing in the community does not matter. What matters in, what are you trusting in for your salvation? You know, a lot of people get confused about salvation. They think it's being baptized or they think it's joining the church and not being critical of those individuals. But according to the Word of God, it is by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. What is faith? It's what you're exercising right now. I didn't see one of you check the pew out before you sat down. You just place faith in the fact that the architecture installed those seats correctly so you could sit your weight, which is probably all heavier after this week. And after today, hey man, I'm with you, all right. I'm, I ate a big old ribeye last night, hey man. I got three more in the refrigerator. I'm going to eat the rest this week, hey man. Starting my diet next Sunday, all right. But, hey man, with the rest of you. At least I ain't getting a gym membership. I know better than to do that, all right. But anyway, I'm going to save about $30 that one month. You'll be out $30. I have $30 extra. We'll be in the same boat come February. I'm so encouraged, ain't it ain't, all right. But I'm just telling you this morning, I'm just telling you that it is reliable faith. Believe in the gospel. Believe in that Jesus died for you. That he was buried. So I said, what is the big deal about him being buried? You don't bury people who ain't dead. Or at least you ain't supposed to. <laughs> if you bury them and they're, and they're not dead, they soon will be dead. He was buried, but he, he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. This is a faithful saying. It is a reliable statement. But secondly, it is a receivable statement. He said, and worthy... Of all acceptation. I see two things in this little phrase. First of all, this is valuable. He said it's worthy. That word worthy there means having weight or value. And I'm reminded of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. How many of y'all got that one person in your family or five persons in your family that you don't never know what to get them? My wife says I'm that person. It's not hard. Money, gift cards, amen. Anything with the Atlanta Braves or the Georgia Bulldogs on it, amen. I mean, it's not hard, <laughs> uh, except Daxon. He got everything Atlanta Braves has. He's got more stuff than what the clubhouse store has of Atlanta Braves memorabilia, all right? But you, you, when, you're, when you're trying to find that gift, two, things, or two or three things are involved in, in getting a gift. First of all, consideration. You know what everybody says? What do they need? Christmas ain't about finding out what they need. That's why your grandma bought you underwear and socks for Christmas all them years. Because she won't know what you needed. <laughs> all right? Christmas about what, but it, it, what do they need? And then there's a cost involved. The price got to be paid for it. You, they just ain't giving that stuff away. Somebody has to make a sacrifice in order for you to have a gift. If you open up a gift this morning, somebody sacrificed. So you could have that. But then there is a, 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 a compassion involved in gift giving. You know why you give? Because you love them. And there's a comprehension in that gift giving. That person you gave that gift to, they didn't reach to their wallet to pay you for that gift. There's an understood comprehension agreement that you don't owe them anything. They just gave you something because they loved you. 
And Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know what he did? He considered, what do they need? If our greatest need had been education, he would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been finances, he would have sent us a banker. But our greatest need was salvation. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there needs to be a comprehended agreement that you know you don't have to pay for your salvation. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to earn your salvation. It is the gift of God. It's valuable. It's vital and worthy of all acceptation. You will not make heaven if you do not receive the free gift that Jesus Christ offers in salvation. Somebody said, preacher, would God send somebody to hell? No. Man sends themselves to hell because they do not receive the gift that Jesus paid for. This is a reliable statement. This is a faithful saying. This is a receivable statement and worthy of all acceptation. This is a remarkable statement that Christ Jesus came into the world. I don't know about you, but that's remarkable. That's amazing to me. That's what we're celebrating today. I note the identification that Christ Jesus, he gave his only begotten son. Amen. An angel wasn't good enough. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, none of them were good enough. He sent his only begotten son here in his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We love him because he first loved us. But God committed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The identification, but then the incarnation that Christ Jesus came into the world. It wasn't enough, Brother Richie, for him to see man's need and remain in heaven. Somebody had to die. A debt had to be paid. See, you got to understand that you and I have a sin debt. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a remarkable statement. His birth was prophesied in Matthew 1. A virgin shall conceive. His birth was pure. She was a virgin. She'd never known a man. Mary was, Mary was not a part of some uh, wicked affair that the world wants to try to teach. But she was virgin. She was a virgin. Never known a man. And that, that, that baby was born. His birth was peculiar. Because that night there was no room in the inn. It really wasn't, if you study out the time, it really wasn't, and I'm not against the nativity scenes, but it wasn't a little barn. It was more like a cave in the side of a rock where they put their, where they put their livestock. Around all the animals, around all that smell and that filth, the Son of God came into this world. There ain't a mother in this room that'd want to give birth to a baby in that kind of atmosphere. There ain't a daddy that'd want their wife to give birth in that kind of an atmosphere. Ah, oh, but the Son of God was willing to humble himself. So if he was born in a high mansion somewhere and in a palace, we'd never think he'd have anything to do with anybody like us. But he was born in the lowliest place of all so that anybody could come to Christ. That's a remarkable statement. It's a reliable statement, receivable, remarkable. It's a redemptive statement that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Why did he come? Well, he come to do good deeds. Oh, he did a lot of good deeds. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He fed the multitudes. He blessed the children. He done many wonderful things. But his one reason was to save 
sinners. A defined purpose to save. The word save here, it means to save and to keep safe. Aren't you glad he don't just save you? But once he saves you, he keeps you secure and he keeps you safe. Amen. It also means to rescue from danger. In fact, here's what that angel told Joseph that night. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. In fact, before he was even born, it was said, here's his purpose. He's coming to save. Luke nineteen ten. for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. A defined purpose to save, but a distinct people. You realize that Jesus only came for one people group. He only came for one people group. You ready? Sinners. He came to save sinners. White sinners, black sinners, it don't matter what sinners, he came to save sinners. In fact, that's the only people Jesus saves is sinners. And I got good news for you. You're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But aren't you glad he don't leave you in that spot? But he came to save sinners. It's a reliable statement. This is a faithful saying. It's a receivable statement and worthy of all acceptation. It's a remarkable statement that Christ Jesus came into the world. It's a redemptive statement to save sinners. But last of all, it's a reassuring statement. Paul said, of whom I am chief. How's that reassuring? That little phrase, of whom I am chief, means first in rank. A lot of argument on whether Paul was the worst sinner or Paul just felt like he was the worst sinner. I'll let you argue about that over lunch. I'm hungry. Here's what I will say. Paul said, I was the top sinner. I was the worst there was. Consider Paul's grievous conduct. He talks about in verse 13. He said, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? He said, I was pretty bad. I, I lived an awful life. If you're not familiar with the life of, the, of Paul before he came to Christ, he persecuted Christians. He was the modern-day ISIS, if you would. He would go into congregations and take men and take women that profess the name of Jesus Christ and kill them before their children. Pretty bad man right there. But notice his glorious conversion. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith, and love which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying. You can rely on it. And worthy of all acceptation, you can receive it. That Christ Jesus came in the world, ain't that remarkable? To save sinners, that's his redemption. And I'm going to tell you, Paul said, I don't care how bad you are, I am the chief of sinners. And if Jesus could save me, and if Jesus could change me, he's what he says in verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him the everlasting life. He said if Jesus could save me, he can save anybody. It don't matter what you've been. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what kind of life you've lived. I'm glad Jesus came in the world to save sinners. He saved the worst one. The songwriter said, come you sinners, lost and hopeless. Jesus' blood 
can make you free. I love this line. For he saved the worst among you when he saved a wretch like me. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus can reach further down than you could reach up. Well, preacher, I just need to do better. No, you're getting the cart before the horse again. Well, preacher, I just need to, I'll stop doing this and stop doing that, then I'll come to Christ. No, you come to Jesus as you are. Salvation ain't joining this church. I'm not asking anybody to join a church. Salvation ain't being ducked in a baptistry. Baptism is for believers, those who've already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what salvation is. Paul said, "For the I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek the Bible said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness it begins on the inside you realize you know what I'm lost I have never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ I'm trusting all these other things I'm trying to be a better person I'm trying to do good deeds you've got to realize all that stuff is good in its place but it don't get you to heaven hey can I ask you this if doing good deeds if being dunked in a baptistry if joining the church could save you then why Jesus die on the cross why would he go through all that it just seems like kind of a waste of time it means there's only one way and Jesus said I am that way there's only one truth and Jesus said I am that truth there's only one life Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life No man cometh to the Father but by me. Tell you this and I'm done. There's a story told. I doubt it's a true story. I'm actually one of the preachers that will tell you if it's not a true story or not. Some guys tell stories like that happened yesterday and it never happened. We call that lying, all right? But anyway, they call it illustrations. I call it lying. There's an old, uh, I guess, fictional. Fictional is fake, right? I never get that right. Young tell I don't spend much time in a library. <laughs> or in, well, I do, I, do a lot, I do more school now than I know when I was in school because I'm doing school with the boys. Said so this little boy got, got a, went into town, probably about Daxon's age, and got lost, got turned around, and couldn't find his way home. And a policeman walked up. It was back in them days when policemen walked the streets and patrolled. The story goes. Saw the little boy sitting there crying. And he said, son, what's wrong? He said, uh, I can't find my way home. He said, well, son, that ain't no problem. What street does your family live on? He said, officer, I can't remember. He said, that's okay, son. He said, well, what's your daddy's telephone number? We'll just call him. He said, I don't know his telephone number. He said, well, son, can you tell me anything about, you, about where you live? Kind of give me an idea. He said, well, yes, sir. He said, right across the street from my house is a big old church. And on top of that church, they got this big old steeple. And on top of that steeple, they got a big old cross. And officer, if you can get me to that cross, I'll find my way home. And I'm telling you, we were lost without hope. Lost without God in this world. Oh, but if we could just find our way to the foot of the cross, we'll find the way home. This is a faithful saying. And it's worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew's coming to play a verse of invitation.